Ephesians chapter 5. Isn't it something how music just kind of, how it can just take you into the presence of God? I mean, it it makes you reflect on your own life, and uh, those are two songs that do that, so they're perfect for communion. (laughs) I love it. All right, Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, Let's start with verses 25 through 27. It says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself. Notice the word himself in your Bible is capitalized. A glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. What we got here, it's, it, it's crossing over. He starts talking to us husbands in the natural, but really when you read the whole context of uh, chapter 5, it's talking about our relationship with Jesus Christ. How many of you know that we are, as Christians, we are married to the Lord Jesus Christ? We are. I mean, we're in covenant with him. Marriage in the natural is a covenant. And we have a spiritual covenant with God through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the word of God says in that scripture that Jesus is returning and looking for a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But that she, the church, should be holy and without blemish. Now, the church, when we refer to the church, we're not talking about Revival Christian Center. We're not talking about one denomination. When we talk about the church, we're talking about all the Christians on this earth. Every Christian composes what the Bible calls the church, right? In fact, the Greek word translated church is ecclesia. The word ecclesia literally means this, the called out ones, or God's people the called out ones are God's people now we as Christians we've been called out what have we been called out of if we're the called out ones we must have been called out of something we've been called out of darkness we've been called out of the world system we've been pulled out the Bible says we've been translated Uh, we've been taken out of Satan's kingdom once you made Jesus Lord of your life we've been taken out of Satan's kingdom and we've been translated into the kingdom of God's dear son now see now this is a powerful truth that many Christians need to take a hold of is that legally speaking for the Christian those who are abiding in Christ the devil has no legal right to touch you because you've been taken out of his kingdom You've been taken out of his rule, out of his control. You know, before we were Christians, we were in the devil's kingdom. Did you know that? You may not know that, but you were. (laughs) Because we were living for the devil, weren't we, before coming to Jesus Christ. But anyways, we've been pulled out of it. Legally speaking, Satan has no legal right to touch you. But Jesus in John 10.10 called him a thief, didn't he? Since when does a thief play fair? You know, last time I checked, a thief doesn't just knock on your door and say, excuse me, can I come in and steal some things in your house? Is that right? No, a thief breaks in through the window. He does everything he can do. So the enemy comes and attacks, and this isn't even in my notes. I don't know why I'm saying this. It's a rabbit trail. But anyways, he comes in, and and how many of you know if a thief comes into your house, if you you catch a thief in your home, what are you going to do? Oh, nice to meet you. Thanks for stealing my stuff. Huh? 
No, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna either tackle that sucker and you're going to call the police or, <laughs> or you're going to kick his tail and get him out of your house. How many of you know we've got to use our authority that we have in Christ? Well, that's not even in my notes, so let me get back on track anyways. So Ephesians 5.27 said that Jesus is looking for, he's coming back for a glorious church. Not a beat down church. Come on, not, not someone who's getting overtaken by the enemy. He's coming back for a glorious church. In other words, God is looking for his people to deal with their wrinkles. He's looking for people to deal with their spots in their life, right? These wrinkles, these spots in our life hinder his glory from, from being revealed in us and, and reflecting his glory through us. So today I want to talk about what God is looking for in his people, the church, the body of believers. What, what's he looking for? What's this glorious church he's looking for? So I've entitled this message, Without Spot or Wrinkle. Without Spot or Wrinkle. Now go to Ephesians 5. Ephesians chapter 5. I want to look at verses 8 through 17. I was going to read it all, but for the sake of time, I'm not going to read that all. I'm just going to break it down and in uh, segments here let's look at ephesians 5 8 through 10 first of all it says this for you were once darkness but now you are light in the lord walk as children of light for the fruit of the spirit is in all goodness righteousness and truth finding out what is acceptable to the lord so when we were unsaved, the Bible, when it says we, you were once darkness, it's talking about when we were unsaved, when we were separated from God because of our sin, because we have not received the sacrifice of what Jesus Christ has done. We have not put our faith in him. So the Bible says that we were separated from God because of our sin. But it, now as Christians, we are, the Bible calls us, children of light in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then it goes on to say that we are to walk, say walk, walk as children of light, and that we are to search out and find out what the acceptable will of God is. Sounds like a mouthful, doesn't it? it so let me say that again. It says that we are to walk as children of light, as Christians, and that we are to search out or to find out what the acceptable, what is acceptable to the Lord. So that must mean then, you know, if the Bible said something, you can kind of take an inference of the opposite. I, I just call it the opp opposite inference. If, if the Bible says that we are to find out what's acceptable to God, obviously then, some things for the Christian are not acceptable. Is that right? Oh, I know some people will jump on that. Oh, you're getting into legalism. No, no, no. No, right? Obviously, there's some things that we as Christians, we are not supposed to partake in. And some things are what the Bible calls, it's not acceptable to God. And that's our responsibility as Christians to search those matters out in the Word of God. That's what the Word of God is given to us for. It's the B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. Basic instructions before leaving earth. It's our, it's our operation manual for our Christian walk. Isn't that good? 
So it's our responsibility to search out the matter in the Word of God. Now, there's, there's some reasons for spots and wrinkles in the body of Christ today. What are they? Number one, one major thing is this. Newly saved Christians, we call them baby Christians, newly saved Christians, they bring worldly things and worldly beliefs into their Christian walk with the Lord. How many of you have ever seen that before? Someone first gets saved and they're, they're still living like the devil in some areas of their life, aren't they? You've seen it before. They just don't know any different. It's ignorance. It's a lack of knowledge, right? But then you got some other things uh, where maybe someone's been a Christian for a while. They've never learned what's acceptable to God, and it's still an ignorance thing. It's still a lack of knowledge thing. But then there's some people who know what the Bible say, and they say, well, that was written 2,000 years ago. That doesn't pertain to society today, Right? How many of you know that's what we're seeing with, with the churches accepting homosexuality and, and ordaining gay bishops? I mean, that's exactly what's going on. They're going with the flow of the world system, right? That's exactly what we're seeing. So it's either because the spots and wrinkles in the body of Christ are either because a, of a lack of knowledge or just flat-out rebellion from, the, from them knowing what the Word says. They know what it says. They know Scripture's on the matter. But they ignore it. They choose to ignore it and they just keep to press on through. But let me tell you this. Even if, if, if it's a lack of knowledge, we know rebellion is an opening for the enemy in our lives. But listen to this. Even if it's a lack of knowledge in the situation, ignorance is not bliss when it comes to the kingdom of God. You ever heard that statement where it says ignorance is bliss? Oh, it's bliss. What I don't know can't hurt me. No, no, baloney. Baloney. Ignorance is not bliss. In fact, in, in Hosea 4, chapter 6, God says this. He says, my people, not sinners, not the unsaved. He said, my people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. Ignorance is not bliss. And that's the importance of why we need to know what the word of God says. And the devil can still get a foothold in your life. Now, so I'm, I'm kind of hammering the point on worldliness. The, Jesus said he's coming back for a church, a glorious church, without spot or wrinkle. I'm talking about what are these spots and wrinkles? What could they be caused from? And right now I'm dealing with worldliness coming into the body of Christ. The Word of God puts the hammer down against worldliness in, a, in, a, in such a powerful way. Go to James chapter 4, verse 4. I want to read a scripture to you here. Remember how I said that we are in covenant. Say Covenant. We are in covenant with God, the Father, through the Lord Jesus Christ. We're married to God. We're married to the Lord Jesus Christ. We're in covenant with Him. Right? Do you agree with that statement? All right. Look at this. Look at James 4.4. 4. This, is, this is tough. This is tough. So put your spiritual seatbelts on now. But it's still in the Word of God. Listen. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God. He's talking about the worldly mindsets, the worldly beliefs that we take into the church, like what I just mentioned, how these, uh, some denominations are grabbing onto this stuff. That it, that's wrong. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world, this is strong now, get ready, makes himself an enemy of God. Now listen, let me, let me point this out. I didn't even have this in my notes. 
But an adulterer or adulteress means that it's someone who's married to somebody. Is that right? So it's not talking about an unbeliever here. It's talking about a Christian, someone who's in covenant with God and breaks that covenant. Did you catch that? Adulterers and adulteresses. If, if it wasn't talking about that, he would have just said, you unsaved people. You people who haven't received Jesus as Lord and Savior. But it doesn't say that, does it? Adulterers and adulteresses. So he's talking about, obviously back in, in these days, the same thing. Hey, it's the same thing. Oh, well, things change as the time goes on. No, no, no. We got the same devil coming at us. We got the same temptations that were back then. Are you hearing me? But that's strong. I believe this, that much of the body of Christ, many in the body of Christ today, instead of us infecting the world with the gospel, the world is infecting the body of Christ with their system of beliefs. Can, do you agree with that? And this is, this is the key. It all stems from a lack of commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ and the written word of God. That's, that's just plain and simple. That's what it comes down to. Now go to Ephesians chapter 5 again. Let's continue on here. Ephesians 5, 11 through 12. It says this, Have and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. Now, so here's the key. As Christians, the junk of the world should be, I say should, it should be detestable to us as Christians to bring in the Christian camp. It should be. Uh, let's talk about vomit this morning. You want to talk about vomit? <laughs> he's like, oh boy, he's losing it now. Where is he going? Boy, give, give pastor a vacation. Give him a break. He's losing it. No, no, let's talk about vomit a little bit. Go to 2 Peter chapter 2. Go to 2 Peter chapter 2. Let's talk a little bit about this. Oh, he shouldn't be talking about that in church. Why not? It's in the Word of God. Let's talk about it. Second uh, Peter 2. I'm not your ordinary preacher either. Amen? Come on now. All right, you know me by now. I've been here for over two years now, right? All right. Second uh, Peter 2, 20 through 22. It says this. For if, after they have escaped the pollutions of the world... Through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And they are again entangled in them, in the world, in sin, and overcome. The latter end is worse for them than the beginning. Verse 21. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness. Than having known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. Oh, here's the puke thing. But it has happened to them, according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit. And a sow having washed to her wallowing in the mire. So the Bible compares sin and worldliness to vomit. To puke. Hey, and, <laughs> and then the word of God, listen, uses the word. This is interesting now. Listen to this. 
The word of God uses the word entangle. Entangle with sin and worldliness. Now, these, these, these are commandments in the Bible, aren't they? Last time I checked, they're commandments, not suggestions. We all, all of us need to pay attention to this, don't we? Go to Ephesians 5, 13 through 14. Five, thirteen, and 14. You still hungry for lunch? Uh, uh, Ephesians 5, 13 through 14. Listen to this. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. The word of God is our lamp. Psalm 119, it's our lamp, it's our light. The Word of God and the Holy Spirit, they shine the light of knowledge on the dark places of our heart. How many of you, you ever been involved with something or you had some kind of a flaw in your life and, and no one told you but the Holy Spirit just revealed something to you and it just clicked one day. My goodness, I do this? Why am I doing this? Have you ever done that? I have. That's the Holy Spirit shining that light, the spotlight. We all, we all need the spotlight shined on our lives, don't we? And then the Word of God says to awake and arise. I believe this means to seek the Lord with your whole heart. Seek the Lord with your whole heart. Search the Word of God with your whole heart. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. It says, this is interesting one here. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Oh, yes, they are. Verse 17. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Listen to this. The Word of God tells us to walk circumspectly, not as fools, but wise. Do you want to know what the word circumspectly means? I looked this up in my Bible. This is interesting. Listen to this. It means to walk cautiously, to walk sensitively. Listen, and when I'm to say this in defining it, as a person would walk through thorny terrain. Thorny terrain. Walk cautiously, sensitively. And spiritually speaking, this world is full of thorny terrain. Wouldn't you say that? And it's interesting to note the parable of the sower. The parable of the sower that Jesus spoke of talks about the seed of the word being sown among thorns. Now listen to this. Matthew 13, 22. Let me read this to you. Jesus explains that part about the thorns being sown among thorns. I want to tie this into how we need to walk circumspectly, cautiously. Look at this. He who received seed among thorns is he who hears the word, the word of God, and the cares of the world or you could even say this and not do any injustice the cares or mindsets of the world and the de deceitfulness of riches 
choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. Isn't that interesting? And we are to walk circumcised, redeeming the time. Ephesians 5, 16 says that we are to live, we are to redeem the time. Redeeming the time that when we were unsaved or when we were in backslidden, when we were in rebellion to God, now that we're walking with Jesus Christ, now we are supposed to redeem the time. Quote, you know what that means? Let me break it down for you. It means to be radical for Jesus on this earth. That's what it means. Redeeming the time. Let me ask you this. If you knew that you were going to die today at four this afternoon, what would you do when you leave this building? If, if someone, you do, four o'clock today, you're, you're dying. You're, you're taking your last breath. That's it. What would you do? I guarantee you, you would go to your loved ones. You would call every person that you know and tell them, I'm sorry for doing this to you. I'm sorry for saying this. I'm, uh, you know, forgive me for the things I've done. And, and you would love those people. You would go to your enemies. You would love them. What are you doing? You're redeeming the time that you lost when you were holding bitterness and unforgiveness. When you are rede you're, you're redeeming the time. So when the word says that we are to redeem the time, God expects every Christian to be radical for Jesus. Redeeming the time. The times when we promoted the devil's stuff. Now we're supposed to, to share the gospel with the, every person we come in contact with. Redeeming the time. Verse 17 says, not to be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Like I said earlier, if that verse, if the verse there tells us to understand what the will of the Lord is, well, we don't know the will of God, do we? Do we? Oh, yes, we can. If, if he says, know what the will of the Lord is, we can know the will of God. And it's right here in the Word of God. This is his will. Just like if you have a will. You wrote, for when you die and stuff goes to whatever person, guess what? Jesus died. This will is in effect because Jesus died on the cross. But guess what? Jesus rose from the dead to make sure that his church is going to take advantage of this. Are you hearing me? So yes, it is possible to know and it is possible to understand what the will of the Lord is. But it's going to take some commitment level on your part. It's going to take picking up the Word of God and reading it. It's going to take paying attention in church when, when the pastor's preaching. No, I'm not saying that because I see anyone falling asleep in here. I'm just making a general comment. <laughs> now, uh, go to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 15. Hallelujah. Titus chapter 2. Verses 11 through 15. And it says this. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Teaching us. Well, what did Jesus teach? Read on. That denying ungodliness and, there it is, worldly lust or worldly desires. We should live soberly righteously and godly in the present age you want a bible study you can't think of anything to study in the bible take those three words 
take soberly, righteously, and godly and do a word study on those three words. There, there's your assignment. Verse 13, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed. Oh, and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. That's interesting. Redeem us from every lawless deed. Well, what do you mean? Can I go live like the devil and just expect the grace of God to cover me? No. Like I said before, the grace of God is the Holy Spirit living in you to help you live godly on this earth right now. Don't think you can just live like the devil and just say a little sinner's prayer and live like the devil and that's it. No, no, no. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to help us to live godly and righteously. And you know what? If you mess up, if I mess up, 1 John 1, 9, we confess our sin. Are you hearing me? You confess it, you put it under the blood, you repent, you turn from it, and you do your best to tune into the Holy Spirit and obey the Word of God. Now, so it says here, if you're keeping your eyes on the blessed hope, who's the blessed hope? Jesus. And seeking to please Him in your life, you will avoid the contamination of the world. Verse 14 is interesting. That verse says that Jesus gave himself to redeem us from every lawless deed and purify in himself his own special people. Zealous for good works. What does the word zealous mean? All fired up, radical. It means you can't wait to do good. You can't wait when you find something out in the Bible and it says to bless those who curse you. Boy, you're just excited to bless your enemies. When it says give to the poor, when it says to bless Israel, you just can't wait to obey the word of God. Zealous of good works. You're excited. Are you hearing me? And the good works, in a nutshell, he's talking about living a holy life. That's what he's talking about. Living a holy life. Staying plugged into the vine, the Lord Jesus Christ. Read John 15 uh, this week whenever you have a chance, or make a chance. <laughs> Talks about stay abiding in Christ. Christ is our life. He's our vine. And the moment you separate yourself from him, you're going to wither. You're spiritually going to wither away. Like I said before, in the Christian walk, I say this all the time, but it bears repeating. It says in the Christian walk, there, there's no standing still, is there? You're either moving forward with God or you're going back. we got to determine what one are we. And we know. I mean, it's not rocket science. Amen? Uh, Psalm 15. Psalm chapter 15 here. I'm talking about getting rid of our wrinkles and spots and what could these things be. What, what is the Holy Spirit zooming in on today? What's a spot? What's a wrinkle in our spiritual life? That's what I'm talking about. Psalm 15, 1 through 5. This is interesting. Listen. Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? He who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. He who does not backbite with his tongue 
nor does evil to his neighbor, nor does he take up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but he honors those who fear the Lord. He who swears to his own hurt and does not change because of integrity. He who does not put his money at usury, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. Psalm 15 talks about the keys that will help shape our character so that we will not grieve the Holy Spirit and qualify, be qualified to stand in His presence. Verse 1, in verse 1 it refers to the tabernacle and to the holy hill. The tabernacle and the holy hill refers to the resting place in the Old Testament of the Ark of the Covenant. What's so special about the Ark of the Covenant? It carried the presence of God. It carried the presence of God. And that's where the worshipers assembled. Notice, if you're, if you're doing any of these things, you're not qualified to stand in the presence of God. You're not qualified to assemble with the true worshipers. You want to be a true worshiper? Put Psalm 15 into practice. So, what qualifies us to abide in the presence of God? Along, of course, we know this is Christians, the blood of Jesus Christ. We need the blood of Jesus Christ to take us into the Holy of Holies. I know that. But you can plead the blood of Jesus all you want and you're living an unholy life. You're not going to abide in the presence of God. Are you hearing me? So I'm not taken away from the blood of Jesus. But we have a responsibility in the matter also. Amen? Now listen to this. I want you to notice in Psalm 15. I want you to notice that most of these things that are mentioned. That can disqualify us from abiding in the presence of God. Assembling with the worshipers. Are you ready for this? All the things that are mentioned is referencing our relationship to mankind, to others. Most of the things in there, backbiting, taking a bribe against the innocent. Read it through yourself again. Much of the things that can disqualify us is our relationship with each other. In fact, the quality of your relationship and my relationship with the Lord is in direct proportion to our relationship with our fellow man. And there, fine, you want scripture on that? Okay, 1 John 4.20. 1 John 4.20 says that he who hates his brother and says that he loves God is a liar. Doesn't it say that? Go ahead and look it up for yourself. Don't, don't claim to be such a spiritual individual and person when you're holding bitterness or unforgiveness in your heart towards somebody. The Word of God calls you a liar. Now I want to point something else interesting. Go to 1 John chapter 1. As I'm getting real close to closing just to give some people hope out there. <laughs> 1 John chapter 1. Uh, verses 5 through 7. Listen to this. This is the message which we have heard from him, from Jesus Christ, and declare to you 
that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now let me break this down real quick for you. Let me make this a little bit clearer for you. Verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship or a relationship with him, with the Lord Jesus Christ and our Heavenly Father, and walk in darkness or in a lifestyle of sin, we lie and do not practice the truth. That's not talking about if you mess up and, and you, you sin. It, that's not, it's talking about if you're still abiding in a lifestyle. Man, it's just constant. Your mouth is filthy. You're, you, there's just no evidence here. Are you hearing me? It's talking about a lifestyle now. See, it's one thing to know the truth, but it's another thing to practice the truth, isn't it? Many people know the truth, but they're not putting it into action in their life. Verse 7, listen. Verse 7 begins with the word but. See, the word but means that it's a, it's a continuation of the previous thought. Is that right, English teacher? Am I right on that? It says this, but if, say if, we walk in the light or practice the truth. As he is in the light, we have fellowship one, with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. I want you to notice something extremely important in this passage. We as Christians are required, required to walk in the light by being doers of the word, by practicing it, right? And when we are truly doing that, we will have fellowship, unity, and love toward one another. You agree with that? And it's at that point that scripture says... When we're practicing the truth and we're fellowshipping, truly fellowshipping with one another. Come on, hold on to your seatbelt now. That's the point that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Oh, well, now wait a minute, Pastor James. You're, uh, you're, you're going off on a tangent. How could you say that? Aren't you going off into doctrinal error? Well, let's consider this. I find it very interesting to say that the Bible says that we are to forgive others so that God can forgive us. Is that not true? That, oh my. So you can see then that unforgiveness, bitterness toward others is like a dam that will prevent the blood of Jesus from cleansing you and I. Did you catch that? Wow. If we don't forgive others, we won't be forgiven, the Bible says. That's Bible. So unforgiveness is, when you have unforgiveness, if I have unforgiveness in my heart, it's like we're holding on to those sins and we got a dam over top of us, blocking the forgiveness of God in our lives. Blocking the blood of Jesus from totally cleansing us. I'm talking today about removing the spots and wrinkles in our lives. Jesus Christ is coming back for a glorious church, he said, for a glorious people. 
And the Bible says that we are to abide in Christ. And as we abide in Him, it says we're being changed from glory to glory. So one very, my last point here, one very important aspect of getting rid of the spots and wrinkles in our lives is the Holy Spirit aspect of the matter. After all, is not the Holy Spirit our helper? Isn't he called in the Greek the paraclete? One called alongside to help us as Christians? So the mission of the Holy Spirit then is to help it's to, uh, in, in to assist uh, us in becoming a glorious church. Would you agree with that? If Jesus is coming back for a glorious church, a glorious people, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they're all in unity. Amen? So the Holy Spirit then, His goal is to help us, assist us in becoming that glorious church that Jesus is coming back for. Jesus said that he would build his church. How? Go to Matthew 16. My, my uh, second to last scripture. Matthew 16. I shouldn't have told you that. I lost you. Matthew 16. This may be, again, one of the most important messages I've preached in the two years since I've been here. Matthew 16. 13 through 19. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Oh, doesn't every person, every human being has to answer that on this earth, don't they? Who do you say Jesus is? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, Oh, okay, but who do you say that I am? It doesn't matter what mom or dad's faith is. Are you hearing me? It doesn't matter what your grandma and grandpa's faith was. He said, who do you say that I am? Oh my, that, I could preach that all day long right there. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or hell, shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. It was a revelation to Peter that Jesus was the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus is building his church upon the revelation, not upon Peter. It doesn't matter what some denomination says. Peter's not the Pope. Are you hearing me? Jesus is the head. Jesus is building the church on the revelation of who Jesus is. Now, here, let me throw something else at you. Let me climb up the mountain on a different angle and give you another eye view of that scripture. Most people stop right there. They say that the building of the church is simply people getting saved, and that's it. Have you heard that before? Jesus is going to build his church. You bring someone in, you get them to say the sinner's prayer, they're born again, 
done. Okay, the church is being built. Great. Then why are there so many Christians with spot and wrinkles all the, everywhere on the earth? Listen to this. The Holy Spirit is revealing things in our life. He's given us revelation in our own life of things that we need to change. 2 Corinthians 3.18, transformed. It says that we are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory as by the Spirit of the Lord, by the Holy Spirit. It takes a revelation sometimes to see the flaws in our life that we ourselves are blinded to. Wouldn't you agree with that? I mentioned that earlier. But listen to this. This is the point I want to tell you. Most people say Jesus said he would build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Okay. So people say people getting saved, that's the building of the church. End of story. Nothing else. I beg to differ. Because building is a process. We as Christians, come on, are a work in progress. We are not perfect. I'm sorry to disappoint you. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit's help in the building process. And that's why Philippians 1.6 says this, being confident of this very thing, that he that has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. I want to submit this evidence to you. The building of the church is not only getting people saved, but it's taking the spots and wrinkles out of their lives. And what is our part as Christians in the building process? Isaiah 119. Isaiah 119. It says, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. There's a principle right there for us Christians. Willing has to do with your attitude. Does your attitude stink or are you truly wanting to seek the Lord? We are to be willing and obedient. We must cooperate with the Holy Spirit when he reveals a spot, when he reveals a wrinkle in our lives that we need to correct. And I don't have a full revelation on this yet, but as I was in prayer, uh, the, the Holy Spirit reminded me of this. First off, how do you get wrinkles out of a shirt? Iron. What comes through an iron? Heat. Jesus said he would baptize us with the Holy Spirit and fire. I, chew on it. I, I still got to get more light on that, but something's to that. <laughs> we need the fire of God to iron us out. Isn't it good to know that if we are truly seeking to please our Heavenly Father, that He will never leave us nor forsake us? Isn't it good to know if we ask Him for the Holy Ghost, He won't give us a serpent? Huh? Isn't it good to know that He's a good Heavenly Father? We need to be willing and obedient. In Psalms 51, 17, just sums it all up like this. How do we come to God? What does our attitude need to be toward Him? The Word of God puts it this way. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. You come to Him with a brokenness in your life, with a, a teachableness. He will not turn you or I away. That's His promise. Amen? We need to stay close to him so that he can assist us in the cleansing of our spots 
and ironing the wrinkles out of our lives. If you agree with that, say amen. amen. Let's stand in this place. I'm done. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the word that, that's come forth today. Lord, what an important word. What a timely word as we approach the coming, the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. What an important word that we really need to take hold of. Now, maybe there's someone in this place who has never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. You're in here today. You've never took that step. You're just maybe trying to ride on mommy and daddy's uh, faith strings. Well, God doesn't have grandchildren. He only has sons and daughters. Are you hearing me? You need to make your own choice. And I ask you today, who do you say that Jesus is personally yourself? If you've never made Jesus Lord of your life today, I want to invite you to come down here. And I want to have the privilege of praying the sinner's prayer with you today. I want you to become born again. I want to give you, I want God to give you a new birthday today. I want you to become born again today. Hallelujah. I wouldn't be doing you any justice if I just closed the service now and you, you left this building without making Jesus Lord of your life. You got in a car accident and you're spending an eternity in hell. Are you hearing me? If you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, I want you to come to this altar. Number two, maybe you've been a Christian for a while. Maybe you said the sinner's prayer and maybe uh frankly you're you're riding those faith strings if you today want to rededicate your life to the lord jesus christ frankly right now if you died right now you don't know if you'd go to heaven you don't know that you would spend an eternity in heaven that's dangerous place to be in if you we can know that we know that we're saved the bible says if you don't know that you know that you're saved you think you are, but you don't know, you need to come up here. You need to rededicate your life to the Lord Jesus Christ and give Him all you got. It's time to redeem the time in your life. Quit wasting time. Time's ticking away. Maybe you're in this place and you, you are born again. You made Jesus Lord of your life, but you've never received the Holy Spirit baptism. The Bible speaks of a second experience called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Paul said it this way to some believers. In Acts 19, he said, Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? What do you mean? I didn't get it all at when I did the sinner's prayer? No. No, there's a second experience called the baptism, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. If you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I want you to come forward. I want to lead you through a prayer to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to be a powerful witness for Jesus. And lastly, maybe there's someone in here, you need a physical healing. You have a sickness, a disease, emotional, chemical imbalance, whatever it is. Something's wrong with your physical body, and you need prayer today. You're in an atmosphere of faith today. You're in an atmosphere of faith. We know what the Word of God says. We know what the Word of God says to do, and we want to stand in agreement with, your, with you for your, for your healing and deliverance from that attack. Maybe you just need a miracle. Maybe you're having family problems, marriage problems. Whatever it is, I want you to come forward today. Those things, those four main things, I'm opening the altar up for you if you want prayer today. The rest of you, I want you as the music plays just to examine your life. I, you know, and even if you want to be that daring, say, Holy Spirit, reveal to me the spots and wrinkles in my life. <laughs> it, it, only if you're daring now. Now, now, here's the other catch. There's no sense asking him that 
if you're not willing to change. Are you hearing me? What's the point of him showing you if you're not going to change anyways? We need to be open to change. Those four things, come on down. If you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, you want to rededicate your life, you want to receive the Holy Spirit baptism, you need a physical healing or just prayer, someone to come in agreement with you. The rest of you just worship the Lord as the music finishes here.
Give the Lord a hand clap this morning. Hallelujah. Anyone have a bulletin real quick that I can see? You had a bulletin? I just real quick want to acknowledge the birthdays. Oh, thanks, Grandma. Hey, my grandma and grandpa and my parents are here from uh, the east side of the state. So, all right. We've got, where is this? Oh, how you like our new format here anyways. Hallelujah. Uh, happy birthday to Brooke Brandt, Kay Smith, Thomas Hulsopel, and Bill Huss. Give them a hand clap. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, everyone. Um, remember, Saturday at 4 o'clock at the Quinlan's is the church picnic. There's directions on the back information table. So make sure you pick that up. We're going to have a great time. And praise team, yours is the kingdom. I want them just to sing that as you guys go. So turn around, shake someone's hand. If you'd like a copy of today's sermon, a free copy, just put your name on that information booth or the, the sign-up form. Everyone be blessed. Hallelujah. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever is yours. Heaven and earth bow down at the wonder of your name. Heaven is open, death is broken. Glory forever is yours. Nothing can overcome the power of your name. King above kings, all the universe will sing. Everlasting God, you are wonderful. You are wonderful. And the shout of the
With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.